Hello, this is Millie Long from American Journal of Gastroenterology. On behalf of my co-editor-in-chief, Jazz Bahaj, and myself, welcome to this episode of our podcast. And I'm pleased to introduce my guest, who is Philip Gu, who is staff gastroenterologist at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in California. Philip, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Dr. Long. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm so thrilled to kind of highlight your paper, which we really liked and published recently at Red Journal. And the topic of this paper is the role obesity plays in inflammatory bowel disease outcomes. And so I just want to start with obesity is an important topic for a lot of patients with a lot of chronic diseases, but what made you choose to study this uh, in inflammatory bowel disease? Yeah, the question really came to me when I was in my general gastroenterology fellowship. I was noticing a lot of patients with really severe ulcer colitis and Crohn's disease were actually obese. And, you know, traditionally we're taught inflammatory bowel disease is a catabolic disease. You should be, you know, malnourished, most likely underweight. But I started noticing a lot of them were obese or overweight. And one thing that really struck me was they were telling me is I'm not losing weight, which is I'm really surprised by. So that really struck me and uh, led me to dig a little deeper about how does obesity affect the disease history and also treatment outcomes as well. No, it's a great point. I think many of us who are a little bit older, when we trained, it was always thought of this malabsorptive disease. So, you know, if you have IBD, you can't be obese, but clearly that's not the case. You all saw a a fairly high rate of both overweight and obesity in your cohort. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. And, you know, I think that obviously we have had small, there've been smaller studies that have looked at obesity, sometimes being associated with complications and sometimes not. The outcomes you included in your paper included hospitalization, surgery, and infectious complications. Why did you choose these outcomes specifically, and how did you define them in your study? Yeah, so the outcomes we chose were hospitalization, surgery, and infectious complications. And we chose these because these were objective outcomes of adverse events in IBD and that we could extract from the electronic health records at a scalable level. And the way we identified them was for hospitalization, it was all-cause hospitalizations. It could be hospitalization for abdominal pain, to cellulitis, pneumonia, et cetera. And then for surgery, it was all abdominal surgeries that we identified using procedure codes. And then for infectious complications, the way we defined it was serious complications that required hospitalizations. And these were identified by ICD-10 codes that indicated a infection on discharge orders. And the reason why we chose infections that require hospitalization because there's less heterogeneity with these infections than outpatient infections. No, that makes sense. And obviously these are outcomes we really care about, right? These really dramatically impact our patients, you know, being hospitalized with one of these bad infections, you know, having surgery, et cetera. And so talk us through what the main findings of your study were. You know, obviously you mentioned that a reasonable percentage of this cohort was obese or overweight. What kind of comparisons did you make and what did you find? Yeah, so basically we found, we did a multivariable Cox regression and, you know, we adjusted for disease-related characteristics, medications, you know, prior hospitalizations, et cetera. And basically what we found was that uh, obesity as defined by a BMI greater than 30 was not associated with increased risk of hospitalization, surgery, or serious infection within a year of a new biologic start. So this is important because other retrospective studies have actually shown that obesity to be a risk factor for, you know, some of these complications. 
what are your thoughts along those lines? Is it do you, do you consider this to be a risk factor, or do you think this paper helped us to understand that at least how you're measuring BMI, um, it, it it may not be? Yeah. So those retrospective studies, um, while they were very informative and launched a lot of the basis about how obesity may affect treatment response. Um, one, like you said, they were retrospective. The event rates in those studies were on, sort of on the low side. And so having a large scale really gives us a better understanding of how you know, obesity by BMI can impact treatment response. And at least from our data, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not really associated with any major adverse events. Now, one of the limitations, uh, and this is kind of a hot topic we talk about with therapeutic drug monitoring, is we're not able to, we weren't able to account for drug dosage or drug levels. So that's still kind of uh, a question that we, we'd like to address, um, but that requires very detailed and nuanced data. Right. I wonder, were you able to look, so, you know, one of the things in my practice that I, I feel like I have seen anecdotally is that, you know, individuals on the infusion weight-based biologics, you know, their weight may not play as much of a role, but a fixed dose subcutaneous, sometimes it can be a little bit more difficult to get them to a therapeutic level. Were you able to look at all, uh, for example, adalimumab or bulimumab, one of the injectables as compared mm -hmm. to an infusion-based TNF as to whether the, there were differences in any of these outcomes? Yeah, we didn't necessarily specifically look at uh, IV versus subcutaneous biologics. And one of the reasons why is it kind of goes back to not being able to account for the dosage. And so, but what we did look at was TNF mechanism versus a non-TNF mechanism mm -hmm. in the subgroup analysis. And the same signal persisted. We didn't find any association between obesity and you know, hospitalization, surgery, and infection. That's great. And this was a large group. Remind our listeners how big a cohort you had. This was uh, really large, probably one of the largest studies I've done. It was just a little bit over 3,000 patients, 3,038 patients to be exact. That's great. And so it really helps us to have the power to look at some of these outcomes. Exactly. Okay, so two final questions. The first is steroids. I'm sure all my listeners are saying, mm -hmm. Millie, talk about steroids, because steroids certainly can be associated with weight gain. And steroids obviously are associated with active disease that then can be associated with complications. Did you, and obviously you said you accounted for medications. Did you count for steroids? Did you find any, any associations with steroids? Yeah, we did adjust for steroids in our uh, multivariable model. Um, even despite that, obesity wasn't associated with any of these adverse outcomes. But you know, so what we found with steroids was associated with all-cause hospitalization, which is pretty consistent with prior data. No, that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. Because that's more aggressive, uh, less controlled uh, inflammatory bowel disease. Okay. So my last question, what do you think are next steps in this arena, kind of a further understanding of obesity and its role in inflammatory bowel disease outcomes? And what do you think clinicians should take home from the results of your study? So I think the next steps for obesity, and this is also kind of where the cardiology, the cardiology you know, and obesity, non-IBD obesity literature is heading, is looking at visceral fat and how it can impact IBD. The reason being is not all fat is, is the same. You know, we know visceral fat is more metabolically active than subcutaneous fat. And um, I previously published a study about a year ago where I found in patients starting a new anti-TNF, those with higher visceral fat we're more likely to undergo surgery within a year. What that means is, you know, it requires a little bit more digging. And uh, that's part of my line of research right now is to understand how visceral fat impacts uh, IBD. So that, that'd be very interesting to, to look further. And 
Well, in terms of uh, what clinicians should take away, you know, our data really provides reassuring data that obesity does not impact uh, treatment response to IBD in the terms of adverse outcomes. And one of the things that's really reassuring to me is that it doesn't increase the risk of serious infections. So in the case that you do need to, you know, increase the dose of their biologic or add on a immunomodulator to really boost the efficacy of the biologic, our data provides reassuring that they're not at increased risk of infections. No, that's a great point. Treat the patient and, and obviously treat them to, to your goals, whether that be patient-reported outcome, objective findings, and that obesity shouldn't play a role, it sounds like, in some of that decision-making. So great take-home point. Well, thank you so much for joining me today for this podcast. We, we learned a lot about the role of obesity and inflammatory bowel disease, and hopefully your large study will help to really frame this concept moving forward and help to set the stage for, for future work in this arena. So thanks again, Dr. Gu. Thanks for having me.